0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 22nd is James, chapters 1 through 5, which is the entire book. The book of James was written by the half brother of Jesus, most scholars would agree. And his name was not actually James. James is the English rendition of the Hebrew Yaakov which translated into English is Jacob. So we could call it the book of Jacob. I always find it interesting that this James was not one of the original 12 disciples. He was Jesus' half-brother, and he grew up in Jesus' limelight. What would it have been like to have been a sibling raised in the same house with this perfect Messiah? Even before he was revealed, I imagine his brothers and sisters were sometimes jealous of him, and As any of us feel embarrassed or shamed when we don't measure up to the people around us, I can only imagine what Jesus' own family felt. But after Jesus was crucified and then resurrected, at least James, if not the rest of their siblings, became believers and followers of Jesus. And now here he is writing an epistle to Jewish believers who have been scattered throughout the Gentile lands. He begins, consider it a great joy or pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face diverse trials or trials of various kinds, because these test your faith. And you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We should embrace these trials that life throws our way because they elicit in us a response. They test our faith. How will we know our faith is real unless it's tested? How will we ever grow unless we're faced with challenges? Your muscles don't get big unless you lift heavy things. Faith is a muscle that needs to be exercised. Our Christian character has to grow through difficulty. Just like we read yesterday in Acts 14, verse 22, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. We count it all joy. This is how we get in. This is how we are purified and matured. Many in the church have focused on salvation and not gone beyond that for the last several generations in the Western world. God is calling us not just to holiness in the sense that we are justified by our faith, but also to maturity so that we can grow up in the faith and become leaders of other people. We need to be discipled but we also need to grow so that we can disciple others. If we are going to co-reign with Christ in the future, we must learn how to reign. We cannot be effective governors if we don't know how to govern. We cannot usher in the kingdom of heaven if we don't understand the king's dominion and how to lead effectively. It is by persevering and enduring through trials that we are made complete. Some translations say perfect in the sense that we achieve the design that God ordained for us, and it's not an easy process. Verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Later, he writes, if you don't have, it's because you don't ask. If you ask and don't receive, it's because you ask amiss or you ask with the wrong motives because you want to spend it on your own pleasures pleasing your own flesh, but ask and believe that you have received. And if you do that with the right motives, as Jesus said, abiding in him and he abiding in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 10 says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to anger, and understand that human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Instead, rid yourself of all moral filth and humbly receive the word implanted within you that is able to save your souls. James also writes a lot about the power of the tongue and how important it is that we bridle our tongues. In verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless And he deceives himself. Jesus said, You speak from the overflow of your heart. What is it that you speak about? Are you saying good things? Are you advancing the kingdom of heaven with your tongue? Are you proclaiming the way things should be or complaining about the way things are? If you're not sure, ask those you live with, those you work with, the people you spend the most time with what do you find me? Speaking of the most, your kids will tell you. Chapter 2 focuses on the importance of not showing favoritism to the rich person. We treat people the same regardless of their ability to pay us back or maybe do us favors. And then, this famous passage, probably what James is most noted for, is the faith without works. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works are dead. You say you believe, great. Even the demons believe. In the same way that Abraham offered Isaac, God is calling us to prove our faith by the things we do. We know from reading Ephesians and the rest of the scriptures that we are not actually saved by the things that we do. However, we are faced with the both and, not the either or, of God's infinite wisdom in His plan. You cannot have faith without it changing you. Real faith. Life altering, born again faith into the kingdom of heaven changes you. It changes the way you think, it changes the things you do, and it changes how you speak. And if you're not changed from who you were before you started following Christ, perhaps you're not following Him at all. Chapter 3 is about controlling what we say. Think about a spring, a mountain spring, where we would get fresh spring water. Does salt or brackish water come out of that as well? It's impossible. It's either pure or it's not. Do you bless God and pray to him and praise him with your mouth and then also speak negatively and put down the brother or sister beside you who is made in God's image? It should not be this way. In the same way that a little rudder in comparison to a huge ship controls which way the ship goes. In the same way that a little bit in the mouth of a horse can control which way the horse goes, so it is with our tongue. We have tremendous power to speak life or death. God is calling us to become complete, become mature, and to speak life the way he does. In Ephesians, Paul wrote to say nothing except for what is useful for building others up. James phrases it in a different way, but the meaning is the same. Let's speak life. Let's put coarse joking even behind us. By controlling our speech, we will demonstrate our wisdom. If we have wisdom from heaven, we will be gentle with people. We will treat them well. We will not be seeking our own benefit, and we will certainly not be jealous or envious of what others have. Wisdom from heaven is... Gentle, it is peace loving, it is pure and compliant and full of mercy, it produces good things, it is unwavering and without pretense. Sincere, doing good, promoting the needs of other people first, not seeking its own gain. Sounds a lot like love in 1 Corinthians 13. Chapter 4 reminds us to be humble. That God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. That word humble in chapter 4 verse 10 is to make low, to bow oneself down. In other words, to be fully dependent upon God, not seeking your own best interest. And if you make yourself low, he will lift you up. So closely related to that in the very next verse says don't criticize brothers and sisters. Anyone who speaks negatively about a fellow believer is defaming the law. If you're speaking bad about other people, you're actually speaking bad about God and his kingdom. Who are you to judge your neighbor? It should not be. We don't know what other people are hearing from God. Unless somebody is in very clear, open, and unrepentant sin, It is none of our business, and we should certainly not be talking about them to other people. If you have an urge to talk about somebody because you're curious about their situation, pray about it. Talk to God about it. Gain a heavenly perspective. Who are you to judge? Remember, the measure we use, Jesus said, to judge other people will be used against us. That same thought is echoed in chapter 5, verse 9. Do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. One other thought worth mentioning is let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is more than just refusing to swear. This is about being somebody who keeps their word. Don't say you are going to do something and then not do it. When, on occasion, you are unable to do what you said you were going to do, then apologize, repent. Be very slow to tell people you're going to help them unless you're really, truly planning and able to help them. Many of us need to work on our growth in the ability to administer the ministry of saying no. But it goes back to being slow to speak, quick to listen, and prayerfully consider before we make a commitment one way or the other to those around us. In doing this, saying yes and meaning it, saying no and meaning it, we will be like our Father who is in heaven, growing in our heavenly identity. And that's how we seek the kingdom of heaven first. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. It is such an honor, such a privilege. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I do have a real estate business helping people buy and sell real property, homes and land, investment properties, even commercial property. I am active right now in the Southwest Florida market, but I have a team of agents across 16 states, all with Call It Closed International Realty. If you are looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest, please check out my website, AgentDavidDodie.com. And if you are a real estate professional, I would love to partner with you in helping grow your business, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for your consideration.